Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Ron Whitworth, who is the Chief Privacy Officer at Truist in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is managing the Enterprise Privacy and Technology Office. And Ron is a fellow of Information Privacy. He's a Certified Information Privacy Manager and a Certified Information Privacy Professional from the United States, Canada, and Europe. Um, as certified by the AIPP. Ron is also a member of the Department of Homeland Security's Data Privacy and Integrity Advisor Committee. And with everything that is happening in AI today, um, we know that privacy is incredibly important. So we're super excited to have Ron on the show. Welcome to the show today, Ron. Thanks, Jaden. I really appreciate you having me. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. I wanted to kick this off and ask you a little bit um, about your your journey and kind of what got you interested in this space has this whole area of like data and privacy been something that you've always been interested in as you know kind of where you thought you would move towards in your career or is this kind of something new uh, that you discovered as you went along tell us a little bit about your your journey to become where you are today oh sure yeah I, I've actually been in the privacy field for a long time I I, I originally was a sports reporter uh, it was my first career I was in the media cover oh really yeah so That's this cool. time of year is this time of year I always think back and think oh man did that did I make the right move it seems like it'd be fun to be at these college football <laughs> games but no I decided to go to law school uh, and, and graduated in 2006, so it's been a while since I made that that switch. And when I initially went into the legal field, I was focusing on communications law, kind of the regulation of the media. And at that time, yeah. privacy was just a subset of communications law. It was just starting to to pop out as sort of a niche area that was of interest to people. And um, I was very yeah. fortunate and that I landed in a law firm with a leader who really saw that this was going to blow up, and she gave me a fantastic opportunity to uh, get certified in privacy and become the firm's expert in privacy and data security law. And so that was my my introduction into privacy uh, going on about 17 years now. And, and uh, it, over the last 17 years, it has just continually grown uh, and really exploded on the scene. Um, and, and and now uh, with with AI, it's it's a very similar story. We're seeing, you know, it's just it's, it's been in development for a long time, but as you know better than I do, it's just exploding on the scene, and it, it reminds me a lot of what's happened in privacy. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think that's really cool that you've kind of been there from the very beginning, yeah. um, because definitely, I think probably the first wave that a lot of like consumers and maybe business people really started thinking about it was with some of the regulation um, coming out of the EU. And then now, of course, with AI, this is something that is top of mind for everyone, right? Like, how do we keep our data private, secure? Uh, you know, what are, you know, how are we kind of handling this entire issue? It's very, very relevant in, a, in AI today. I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit about the role of a chief privacy officer and, you know, maybe especially in kind of the context of AI development at financial institutions like Truist, where you're at. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's been really fascinating to watch uh, as AI has exploded on the scene, how privacy professionals have really kind of latched onto it as uh, this is the new frontier for for privacy. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's really just the newest iteration of what we consider, you know, the privacy profession, uh, the privacy industry itself, you know, the International Association of Privacy Professionals, the IAPP, really digging in. Um, they announced this week that you know they have a certification in AI uh, that they're rolling out and uh, really looking to dig in across the industry. But it's not just it's not solely a privacy issue, too. So there's a lot of questions about, uh, you know, how do you piece together the governance structures for AI? Who needs to be involved and so forth? But fundamentally, uh, there's so many there's so many uh, similarities and, and uh, 
commonalities uh, between AI and privacy that uh, what we're finding is a lot of privacy professionals are uniquely situated to help companies sort through the issues, talk about the risks, talk about the compliance implications, and help navigate companies through some of these initial challenges especially as we don't yet have a lot of definitive laws and regulations. They are, they're coming fast and furious, but at right now, a lot of it's more, um, hey, let's look at best practices. Let's think through what this is likely to look like. And let's make sure we don't start building stuff that we have to undo two or three years from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's actually a really interesting sentiment I've heard echoed from a lot of different industries is like, there's a lot of regulation that's kind of in the work and you kind of have to be on top of where it's going and the, the market sentiment, where you think that people are going to kind of be pushing this because like you said, you, you don't want to be building things that you have to undo or change or that are going to get disrupted by, you know, regulation or other areas. Um, something I'd be curious to ask you a bit about is, you know, how do privacy concerns in the financial except in sector, you know, kind of different from those in other industries when it comes to AI? Yeah, they, they do differ in that, you know, we are very highly regulated in, in the financial services industry. And we, we, we in, in our industry, for example, we have the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act. Uh, so we have some very significant um, heightened privacy and security standards that maybe some other, other industries don't quite have yet. Um, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. And, and you know, in a good, in a good way, uh, what, what's been interesting to me is some of the industries outside of financial services are, are looking to banks and financial services companies because now they're going to be held to very similar standards, both in classic privacy and then for AI. Um, so that's been helpful. But I think one of the one of the the uh, challenges is also that it, it 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 tends to slow us down in terms of the ability okay. to be uh, really jumping into the water with AI. Um, you know, when this really started to explode onto the scene. Um, I was at the IAPP Global Privacy Summit earlier this year, and I felt a little uncomfortable because there was this big meeting with the Future of Privacy Forum where they bring all of these uh, you know, CPOs from across different industries together. And they asked the question, they said, hey, raise your hand if you have banned ChatGPT in your, your organization. And I raised my hand and I looked around and I did not see an, another hand up. <laughs> so it was like, like th then I realized, wait a minute, I think I'm the only big bank in this room, you know? So, and then a couple of mm -hmm. weeks later, I was in a bank policy institute meeting with, with my peers in the financial services industry. Same question was, was raised and all the hands went up. So it was, it was, a, it was an interesting okay. contrast to me to say, look, you know, we, we, we've got to be more conservative in financial services because we're, we are highly regulated. We've got a lot of expectations and highly sensitive data that it has, uh, you know, incredibly important protections attached to it. That being said, we also have to be cognizant that this is the way the world is going and we see all these other industries right. jumping in. So we've got to strike that balance and get, get where they are. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's definitely something. And of course, we've seen a lot of other big banks, like you mentioned, have kind of announced similar kind of bans. And there is all these kind of privacy issues there. So striking that balance is definitely got to be an, a unique challenge, I feel like, to your industry. I'm wondering, as a fellow of information privacy, what are some best practices you recommend for AI developers to really ensure that they have good data privacy? Yeah, I, I was, one of the things is that um, a lot of people are are sitting back waiting for these new AI, AI laws, and they're and they're kind of figuring this out and thinking through. Well, uh -huh. this is all something brand new, and we're, it's unprecedented. But that's not entirely the case. You know, I, I think you have to keep in mind that 
There are many existing laws and regulations that apply to AI now. And there are also some yeah. frameworks that um, that really have worked for many, many years, uh, particularly in privacy. We, we refer to them as the Fair Information Practice Principles or the FIPS. Um, ironically, okay. they were drafted in the 1970s, but they are still really the bedrock of the vast majority of the privacy laws across the world. And they apply mm -hmm. just the same to AI when you think about things like transparency and access controls and, and giving uh, customers choices and that sort of thing. Um, you can take those foundational principles and apply it in the AI context, and it, it, it really does translate, and it provides a little bit more certainty uh, than, than I think some would realize. That you, you often get into these conversations from a benchmarking perspective, and the gut reaction is, oh my gosh, this is all brand new, and we just don't have any clarity, but that's not okay. entirely the case. There's a, lot of, there's a body of knowledge out there that you can really leverage to, to have a little bit more certainty than you otherwise would. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, something else I would also be kind of interested in hearing about because uh, looking into your background, you've done some some really interesting things. I'm wondering, how does your work with the Department of Homeland Security's DPIAC kind of influence your approach to privacy in AI, for example? Oh, sure. Yeah. That's been a really unique opportunity for me um, I, I, as part of a federal advisory committee that helps advise the Department of Homeland Security on privacy and cybersecurity issues. And essentially what happens is uh, it's, a, it's a great cross-section of public and private sector uh, privacy professionals and cybersecurity professionals that are brought in to, uh, to basically advise on questions that pop up with the DHS. And typically, you know, they start as, um, you know, secret clearance or top secret clearance matters. But at the end of the day, they often get published and uh, we have public meetings that, that discuss uh, the work. And, you know, so... One of the things that um, that I worked on in recent years was about biometrics and airports, for example, where it's it's oh, yeah, you know, it, it's very similar to what we're seeing with AI, where it's a, it's like you know we have this this amazing new technology that has so much benefit, but let's talk about all the risks. You know, what are all the unintended consequences? You can't just you know be bringing in a bunch of biometrics and use it for whatever you would like to use it for, because there are a lot of implications to uh, the cybersecurity and privacy aspects of the, that use. And so the Department of Homeland Security has done a great job of leveraging the team to make sure that they understand, um, let's talk about all the implications, let's bring in some outside expertise and and talk it through so that we can, it, it would inform their decisions internally. And so that, that's been very valuable to me to just, uh, to be a part of that. It's a great experience. And uh, and also have the benefit of listening to my peers as well. You know, that that um, that is extremely valuable to me to kind of see how other industries approach these problems and, and you know, slightly uh -huh. different ways. Yeah. That's super interesting and really interesting uh, kind of real world examples of how that's been implemented and, and what that looks like. Yeah. Um, on kind of on like another thread, I would love to ask you a little bit about some like real world examples of how privacy professionals are kind of getting involved in AI projects within the financial services. Sure. It, you know, it's a hot topic. Every privacy session I go to, this is the topic, AI governance okay. and how are you involved yeah. and are you involved? And if so, how are you involved? Um, it really uh -huh. ranges quite a bit um, by organization. Typically, what you see at a minimum is that the chief privacy officer or the privacy team is deeply involved in some form of a working group related to AI where at a minimum, you're, you're a key stakeholder 
along with legal, the business, technology, cybersecurity, ethics, marketing. I mean, there's there's just so many different stakeholders that have uh, a need to be involved. Um, in some yeah. cases, we've seen the privacy leaders of organizations step up and also kind of lead the way from, from an AI governance perspective. So we're starting okay. to see the role of the chief privacy officer evolve into, in some cases, you know, chief AI officer or chief data uh, and okay. ethical, you know, ethical responsibility officer and yeah. that sort of thing. So that's really fascinating. Um, it's it's providing a lot of opportunity for for privacy professionals to step up and to um, really broaden their horizons. And um, it's it's interesting to me just because, you know, I mentioned I've been doing this for a while. When I started, this was very much a compliance exercise, you know, where okay. you would have the business or the technology leaders go off and create something and then they would bring it to legal and compliance for that checkbox. You know, you, you either approve it or you don't. And uh-huh. through what we call privacy by design, there's always been a push to, hey, let, let's get a seat at the table. Let's actually be involved from the very beginning of creation uh-huh. of these products and services. Because the last thing you want to be is the person who says no, you know. So, right. so the, in, in the AI context, we're really seeing that next evolution of privacy by design where the privacy professionals in many cases are, are getting that seat at the table because as we develop these new products and services and leverage these new uh, capabilities, you want to have that real-time feedback from privacy. You know, how, how can we do this? How can you make this happen? Uh, what pitfalls do we have? And, you know, and what things are off the table? You know, let's just eliminate some of the, the things that we really can't be doing, like high-risk processing mm-hmm. that they would consider in the EU, for example. So it, it's been great. It's a really an, a unique opportunity for privacy professionals to get involved in some new ways. That's really smart. And I think you're, yeah, you're you're dead on with uh, the importance of really kind of getting um, privacy by default started early. I think especially today when we're looking at, you know, companies that are spending hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases training these AI models and doing different things like, you know, they really do not want to make these massive investments up front and then find out something they're doing is, you know, fundamentally going to lead them to a lot of issues. So, you know, they really want to make sure that they're structuring this all in a way that is, um, you know, really sound and has privacy at its heart from the very beginning. So I think that's, uh, that's really incredibly important. You touched on a little bit um, Europe and kind of what they're doing there. And I'm curious about other countries as well. I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the legal frameworks that you know, most impact AI and privacy in the financial sector, maybe, you know, particularly US, Canada, Europe, those kind of places. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, uh, the starting point is really the, 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 the privacy frameworks that exist. So in the, in Europe, for example, the GDPR uh, is, has direct applicability to much of what we're doing with AI. Uh, PIPADA in Canada, of course, GLBA in, in the US for financial institutions. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing in the U.S. specifically is a lot of these state laws that are popping up that are, um, you know, we, we don't have yet a federal privacy law that is really an omnibus uh, privacy law for the United States the way that GDPR is in the EU. But the states uh-huh. are really stepping up. And so, for example, California has really the, the leading privacy law in the United States, the California Privacy Rights Act, which is the second iteration of what started as the California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA. What's really interesting is that with the second iteration of its privacy law, they have a, a set of regulations that have that were in development and are now drafted and are out there for comment that relate to what they call automated decision making. And really mm-hmm. the way that they're 
thinking about these regulations is is almost a mini EU AI Act. It's almost like a, a, a sort of a mini artificial intelligence law within the privacy law in California. So they're using okay. the opportunity in enhancing their privacy law to start addressing AI. And I think we're going to see a lot of other states follow suit. We are we already see a lot of states introducing AI laws, but we're, mm-hmm. you know we might see it in the context of the existing privacy laws. And um, you know, there are some fairly challenging provisions within, the, within that law. Um, and it really does uh, start to cover some of the bases that the EU AI Act covers as it relates to AI. So I, I think you okay. know, privacy professionals are, are very, very in tune to those acts in the US. But for those who don't have robust privacy teams or privacy lawyers, they should really take a look particularly at what's happening in California, because it's very educational, not only for current state, but California is leading the way. And it is likely to be kind of a standard that will apply across the board within the next two to three years. Okay, a question about that specifically. Um, You know, of course, we have the EU that's rolling out their their big legislation and whatnot. California is rolling out theirs. So my understanding is, right, let's say California you know, solidifies this companies wanting to do business in California have to comply. Does California and perhaps this act they're, they're rolling out kind of by default force, you know, essentially companies, all companies within the United States to follow suit. If multiple states come up with different laws, but they're slightly different, is that going to force people to like really go to that level? And is it something that we should have different states kind of doing these different rules? Or is this something that would be perhaps better at a federal level? Um, to, to kind of roll out. I'd love to just get your like opinion and thoughts on that. I know that's something that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, after mind. It's an excellent question. And it is it's top of my concern for companies because that's exactly what we had in the privacy space where the laws are different enough that it creates a, a real compliance nightmare for, especially for smaller companies that maybe don't have the resources to, to manage through all these different things. Um, to the credit of the, of the legislators, regulators, um, they are, really doing a great job in the AI space of talking to each other. So California, okay. for example, is spending a lot of time with the folks who drafted the EU AI Act. Um, they're, they're, okay. They would like there to be a level of consistency amongst the different jurisdictions that, that um, are passing okay. these laws. And they're, they're often leveraging the same experts and the same um, sort of foundational principles that are underpinning um, the, the beginnings of these laws. And there's really a, okay. an effort for them to be information sharing. So I think that there's a lot of hope that we will have less of a concern of that lack of consistency in the AI space. But you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, what you typically will see is is companies will be forced to kind of adopt that that most conservative view. So let's look at the at the most strict state, and we're going to follow that because it's easier to do that right. than to try to follow a patchwork of of laws that are just a compliance headache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, something I've heard from, I've heard kind of both sides of this. Some people saying like, okay, all this regulation is going to stifle growth. I've actually heard other people say this regulation creates certainty in the market and actually helps, you know, attract investments and accelerate growth. From your perspective and what you're seeing, do you feel like this regulation is needed or do you feel like this regulation is you know, like stifling to, let's say, innovation or growth or something? I don't think it's stifling. I think as long as there's the right balance and the business considerations are heard, it's a good thing. I think the more certainty we have, the better. Uh, you know, there's always been this pattern where 
uh, technology outpaces the legislation. That's just always the case where you're yeah. always playing a guessing game about what are, what we're building today. How is it going to stand up tomorrow? So I, in my personal opinion, it it is very helpful to have more certainty and particularly an understanding of where things are headed. So even if it's not set in stone, I think it's very helpful where, when uh, California, for example, has been good about uh, providing a platform for feedback. They're not just throwing out regulations and and saying, hey, deal with it. They're providing the opportunity for folks to provide uh, their their comments and feedback, and they've listened to it. They've listened to it in the privacy context. Um, same thing with other states, Colorado, Virginia. I mean, they, they've really done a nice job of engaging the industry and hearing, you know, what, how will this impact you? What are we missing? Uh, and that's important. I think if, if that relationship is there and that dialogue continues, at the end of the day, you're going to have a much better law and the companies will have a better, uh, you know, opportunity to not only to weigh in, but to be compliant at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's really insightful and uh, very true. Something I'd love to ask you about is, you know, what are some common misconceptions about AI and privacy that you kind of encounter in your role? Um, you know, one of them, is, I think, is is uh, that this is just some sort of a fad. You know, it, it's funny um, when ChatGPT first came on the scene, it was kind of like you know, so you, hear, you would hear people say, oh, this is just the next metaverse or the next NFT. Uh-huh. And it's just going to go away. Yeah. And I think it it. I, it's starting to set in with folks that this is uh, not a fad. This is this is um, equivalent to the internet. It's it's the equivalent to the iPhone. This is a groundbreaking development that it's not an overnight sensation. It's like when you talk to the folks, uh, like many in your community that have been working on this for decades, you, you know, years if not decades. It's like this is not new. It's just this is the result of many many years of work, and it's coming to fruition. And it is going to change the world. There's just no doubt about it. So uh, I, I think getting over that hurdle uh, for companies is kind of an important step where I think a lot of the bigger companies are already clear, clear over that step. But I do still still hear a, a lot of those rumblings. You know, when you talk to, uh, particularly to smaller and mid-sized companies, they're like, is this really that big of a deal? Is this just another fad that is just going to go away? And I, I just don't see it that way at all. Um, and, 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 and I think the same is true for the, the way that privacy professionals are reacting to it. I see this as a huge opportunity. Uh, as I mentioned, privacy itself has exploded in the last you know, 10, 15 years. And this is just a unique opportunity for privacy professionals to leverage, leverage their own expertise and experience and just broaden out into a, a whole new horizon. Um, you know, there, sometimes you hear some pushback from Longtime privacy professionals saying, "Oh my gosh, is this is every panel going to be about AI? Is every benchmarking conversation? It's because it really is permeating every conversation." But you know, I understand that, but I, I also think we have to really own it and t- and really take you know mm-hmm. take accountability and ownership for it and and help drive it because it is it's going to be impactful to our companies, to ourselves, our own personal careers, and it's just it's here to stay. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's you're spot on with that. And like, I definitely do get like the kind of AI fatigue thing. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much, you know, whatever. But uh, I think you know, for a lot of people, looking at like looking at number one, the amount of money being poured into AI, the amount of companies adopting it, like the the amount of industries it's touching. It's not just like you know, oh, it's like a metaverse. It kind of relates to like this sort of industry, or this type of person. Like, 
really this touches everyone. And so I think people are kind of realizing beyond just like a, a bubble or like a hype wave, this is something that is like fundamentally shifting the way a lot of things are done. And um, it, it's, yeah, it's probably never going to go back to how it was before. This is kind of the new the new way technology is evolving. So right. definitely a very a big shift. As we wrap up this podcast today, uh, a question I would love to kind of finish this off with, off with is like, you know, looking ahead, what kind of emerging technologies do you think are going to pose the greatest challenges or opportunities for privacy in the financial sector kind of looking forward? Yeah, I, I think um, there are a lot of common opportunities and challenges for financial services. I, I think it, one thing that is shared amongst a lot of our peers is the opportunity to uh, perform a lot better customer service using um, LLMs particularly. And, and really, I, th there's a race to sort of develop an internal capability, whether leveraging a Microsoft or Amazon or IBM to build sort of a privatized version of an LLM that can help companies provide better client service, whether that's, you know, answering customer calls or providing guidance to clients. You know, when you think about just the ability to to leverage data and have a lot more at your fingertips in real time to provide better guidance and and faster guidance to your clients and your and your teammates within your own organization, that is extremely powerful. And and I think some of those some of the use cases that we're seeing really evolve right now involve the sort of the customer service angle, you know, because we're, first of all, we're, we're reluctant to be leveraging client data. We don't want to be dropping client data into LLMs at this point. It's just too risky. But if, we, if we're dropping our own policies, procedures, and, and, and ways to help clients into these tools and providing our own teammates the opportunity to, to provide faster and better guidance is just going to uh, really expedite um, a, a lot of our success across the board as an industry. And then on the flip side, I would say, you know, it, it, one thing that's uh, a little disconcerting to me is there's so much talk about all the, the positive benefits and the proactive uses, not so much on the defensive side, you know, all the, the fraud implications and the identity theft implications of this technology. And, I, you know, you do hear some talk about it, but it really pales in comparison to the proactive uses of, of, of AI. I, I, you know, when you look at the capabilities here and you see just how uh, realistic some of these, uh, you know, deep fakes can, can be and the social engineering implications, the identity theft and fraud implications, we're also going to have to be really, really aggressive in terms of building those uh, controls to, to, to deal with that and make sure that we are um, enhancing authentication mechanisms and really paying close attention to how the tools are being used by bad actors uh, because they can have some serious negative implications as well. Uh, we're all really, really excited about the positive implications, but have to be really eyes wide open about uh, all of the risks that are associated with it. Yeah, I think you're spot on there, especially with uh, really, really being eyes open on some of the risks and, and all of that that we're seeing. Ron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, sharing your insights. It has been phenomenal. I'm going to leave a link in the description or in the show notes as well um, to Truist if people are interested in checking out Truist and uh, looking at that as a good solution for their business as well. But once again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your insights to the listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the AI Chat Podcast and make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts.